0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hopevale Church's worship service. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale in the Great Lakes Bay Region of Michigan. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us today. If you're new to Hopevale, I want to extend a special welcome to you. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you'll go to our website at hopevale.org new, you can fill out a digital connect card that will allow us to get to know you, to pray for you, and to begin to connect you with all Jesus is doing here at Hopevale. If you're a parent we want to come alongside you during this challenging season of parenting amidst a pandemic i have two elementary aged kids myself so i understand the challenges that you're facing if you go to our website at hopeville.org slash covid19 there is a link to a page of parent resources and on that page you'll find some help in leading your kids spiritually during the season, and in starting some practical conversations with them to see how they're doing amidst all that we're facing together. Thank you again for being with us today. I want to start our worship service today with a time of prayer. Please join me as I pray. Father, we are a church defined not by how we gather, but defined instead by who we gather to celebrate. Jesus, we're here to celebrate you, to celebrate your life in all the ways you share your life in and through us. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence in the life and in the room of everyone worshiping with us right now. Move with power, opening our hearts to your truth. Our circumstances make us aware both of the preciousness of life and of our profound need for you, Jesus. In light of our awareness and our need, we ask you to pour your life out in us and through us to bring hope and healing to our communities. We depend upon the power of your life, Jesus. Amen. Life is fragile.
1: It's a fact we're learning in real time, every day. What we once called normal has seemingly disappeared. There's uncertainty in the air, restlessness in our hearts. Things we once took for granted are becoming difficult to find. Our usual day-to-day has evolved into this odd chaos. Peace is becoming obsolete. Many have lost jobs, security, and those they love. The pain is undeniable. But what if our fragility caused us to lean harder into God? What if, in our weakness, we chose to rely more on His strength? Would our outlook change? Would the peace that passes understanding begin to drown out the noise of this moment? Would we walk in a quiet confidence, knowing our God is mighty to save, We're not promised tomorrow, but we are given a simple truth to stand on. Our God goes before us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Yes, life is fragile. But in our weakness, He is strong.
2: everybody. Thanks for logging in today. Let's worship.
3: Sing. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Mm. I'll raise a hallelujah I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me, and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're gonna hear my. Prayer. So much for the reminder that you are alive and that you are well and that you are working and that you are here in our midst. God, uh, so often we forget that because we put the blinders on in life and we kind of do our own thing and we forget to look up. We forget to look at the clouds sometimes. We forget to look out at the stars at night and see all that you've made and all that you care about. I think of uh, Matthew 6 where you talk about how you care for uh, so much and you care for the birds and how you care so much more for us. So thank you for your care. Thank you for reminders of your goodness. And Lord, we will sing our hallelujahs to you this day. We'll sing um, praise the Lord. Uh, That's what that word means, hallelujah. And so we'll sing that. We'll live that to the best of our abilities. So thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. In your name, amen.
4: All around me, through all this chaos, you are writing a symphony, a symphony. And even in the madness, there is peace drowning out the voices. All around me, through all this chaos, you are writing a symphony, a symphony.
5: Hey, this is Pastor Dan, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship today. Well, after taking a break last week for Mother's Day, today we're going to pick back up in our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark in a series that we're calling Encountering Hope. Encountering Hope, because the story of Jesus is a story of hope. It really is, and not just for people back then, but also for us today. And so in these first few weeks, you know, as Jesus begins to carry out his mission of hope, we've seen people respond to him in all different kinds of ways, right? From excitement and amazement to curiosity and confusion and even anger and outrage. And see, the point is this, that when you truly encounter the real Jesus, I guarantee that he will stir up something inside of you. That's who he is, and that's what he does. This Jesus we're seeing in the Gospel of Mark. And so today, as we continue on in our series, we're going to meet up with another person who had his life turned upside down when he encountered Jesus. Upside down, or or should I say right side up? Because Jesus specializes in bringing hope to lost and lonely souls. But before we look at today's passage, I want to ask you a rather personal question. And here it is. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like you didn't belong or you couldn't fit in? Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like you didn't belong or you couldn't quite fit in? That's ever happened to you? The truth is, it's happened to me. Many times, right? From tryouts in middle school to social groups in high school to pledge week in college and even a job search process in adulthood, right? Those times when I have been the one on the outside looking in. And depending on the circumstances, when you get that message sent to you, it can really hurt to not be included. They can, right? They wouldn't let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Life can be hard when you feel like you're not wanted anywhere. Well, that's been my experience, and I bet it's been yours as well. It has, and I say that not to pick on you, But I say that to recognize that I don't think there are any of us who are ever truly exempt from being excluded from some group at some time. But see, here's the thing, depending on how often and how hurtful those exclusions are, they can really leave a mark and the impact can be personally devastating because we all have a need to belong. We do. It's how God created us as human beings in his image. Relational creatures. That's why some people will go to great lengths to be accepted. They'll even compromise their convictions or they'll even stay in an abusive relationship. Why? Because bad acceptance is better than no acceptance at all. But see, this need to belong, it's also why some people give up on life. Because the thought of one more rejection is just too hard to take. And so they give up. Well, if you've ever felt the sting of exclusion before, or maybe you're living in the middle of that right now and you're feeling rather hopeless, then today's encounter is for you. It is. Today's passage from the Gospel of Mark is the story of the hope of Jesus breaking through into the life of someone who didn't quite fit in anywhere. And so I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, as we meet this man and as we see some of our story in his story. Now, a couple weeks ago, we left off with the story of Jesus miraculously healing a paralyzed man who was lowered down from the roof on a mat by his four friends. And as this happened, the crowd responded, we've never seen anything like this before. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus also had the audacity to forgive this man's sin, which just triggered the religious authorities back then. Well, needless to say, you do something that amazing and word spreads quickly. And so when it comes time for Jesus to make his next public appearance, look what happens. Mark 2, verse 13, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them, and people were hanging on his every word. Well, as after Jesus is done teaching, he moves on again. And look what happens next, verse 14. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and followed him. Follow me. Jesus issues the exact same call to Levi as he did with those four fishermen we saw a few weeks ago, right? Simon, Andrew, James, and John. The same invitation, but you know, the life circumstances couldn't have been any more different. Now, if you have some familiarity with the Bible, you might know that being a tax collector back then was a well-paying profession But it wasn't a well-respected one. No way. Tax collectors were crooked. They were corrupt. And as long as they met their quota, they would skim off the top and they would squeeze a little extra something from the common folk so they could line their own pockets. But even beyond that, first century Middle Eastern tax collectors were social outcasts. They were Jewish men who had sold out to the Roman government and thus were despised by their own people. They weren't welcome to worship at the local synagogue, ostracized, outcast. And yet on the other hand, because they weren't Romans, they didn't fit into that world either. See, this is Levi's story. He is a man without a people. And so the fact that Jesus would even defy cultural norms and betray his fellow Jews, that he would initiate a conversation with a tax collector, that, that's scandalous enough. But the fact that he then looks at Levi and says, follow me, is beyond comprehension, because that's just not how life and religion were supposed to work back then. But Jesus does extend the invitation to Levi for him to join with him in his mission of hope. And so Levi, also known as Matthew in the New Testament, responds immediately and leaves everything else behind. Now, why? Why would Levi make such a major life decision like that to follow Jesus? That's a good question. And while we don't know for sure, here's what we do know, right? That Levi, he's not a Roman racially, but then he's also not a Jew socially. And so essentially, as a tax collector, he didn't fit in anywhere. Anywhere. And so like some of us have experienced in life, you know, when you're on the outs like that, he probably felt like he had nothing left to lose. Sure, the money was good, but I, I bet there was a gnawing emptiness inside of Levi. And so Jesus's invitation to follow him and to join his mission must have just been too compelling for him to ignore. Well, as we've already seen in this series, Jesus can't help but make waves wherever he goes, Right. And so sure enough, that's what happens next. Verse 15, let's take a look. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Many who followed Jesus, even at this point. Levi, see, he now has a call worth living for. He now has a community to belong to. And so he throws this impromptu banquet with a totally mixed bag of attendees, right? So you have Jesus and some of his other disciples along with tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners, the rebels and the rejects who essentially represent everyone else in town who didn't quite fit in. They didn't fit in either because of their profession or maybe their promiscuity or maybe something from their past, right? Well, you can imagine how well all this sat with the religious authorities, right? verse 16, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him, Jesus, eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? Why? Well, to be clear, you know, this question isn't about curiosity. No, it's about condemnation. Condemnation. So instead of why does he, it's more like how could he or how dare he? How could your rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners? That no truly righteous person would ever endorse such behavior. Whatever risk becoming defiled, which in their mind was exactly what Jesus was doing here by sharing a common meal with such an unrighteous group of people. It's incredible, right? And it sets everyone off. See, these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, they not only set the standard of proper moral behavior, of dutiful, righteous ritual, but they were the ones back then who determined who's in and who's out. Who's in and who's out with God? Ian, who's in and who's out with his faithful? And so for them, Jesus was a bad person because he hung out with bad people. How could he? Well, Jesus picks up on this conversation and responds with this incredible message of hope, a message of hope that still rings true today. verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy Who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, in the world of the Pharisees, there were only two kinds of people. The righteous and the unrighteous. The the, the pious ones who were pleasing to God and the prodigal ones who were displeasing to God. That's how they viewed life. That's how they saw people. Now, according to Jesus, he too said there were only two kinds of people, but his groupings were different, right? That for Jesus, he says, there are those who think they're righteous, and then there are those who know they're not. Those who think they're righteous and those who know they're not. And see, this is where Jesus's medical analogy comes in. That if you think you're you're healthy, then you have no need for a doctor. You're not going to go in for a checkup. You're not going to go in to have cotton swabs shoved way up your nose to see whether you've got the virus or not, right? No, it's not the health you need a doctor. But if you know you're sick, and in this case, speaking spiritually, spiritually sick, desperate, broken, hopeless, excluded, then you will go anywhere. You will do anything to experience genuine healing. Jesus knew that about us, about people. And so Jesus says, you know, I have come not to call the so-called righteous. You know why? Because there's nothing that I have to give them that they don't think they already have. Right? There's nothing I can give them that they don't think they already have. No, I'm here for the sinners, the selfish, the scandalous, the stubborn, the ostracized, the outcasts. Those who know that they need a Savior. See, Jesus' mission of hope, why he came, it... It wasn't to respectify the righteous. Now, I made that word up, right? Respectify. To take good people, moral people, and just make them more respectable. No, Jesus came to rescue the rejected, the rebellious. And in doing so, Jesus drew new lines about who's in, about who's out. With God, with his people. And in doing so, he includes the excluded. See, that's what I want you to understand about the hope of Jesus that He had for Levi and the hope that He has for you. Here it is Hope includes the excluded. Hope includes the excluded. It was true for Levi, it was true for the other tax collectors and sinners gathered that day, and it can also be true for you. True for you if you can honestly and humbly see yourself for who you truly are before God, right? You see your need, see your sickness for his healing rather than thinking about yourself and who you're supposed to be and never quite measuring up or even worse, who you're trying to pretend to be even though you're someone totally different on the inside, right? Now, hope includes the excluded, the rejected, the rotten, the rebellious. And so after the break, I want to talk to you more about what this means and more specifically about what this can mean for you. But before we do that, I first want you to hear a song written and performed by our own Amy Petty. And interestingly enough, it's a song about another Bible hero like Levi, who didn't quite fit in anywhere, but God used him anyways. The song is called Moses.
6: I can carry but I am not strong I may be right but I might be wrong and I am here but I don't belong there's got to be someone else and I am smart but I am not wise oh the horrors I've seen with these eyes these lips have spoken many lies there's got to be some me but the flame of the word it burns within that tree and oh too proud you see a follower cannot lead this crowd there's got to be so
5: I mean, wasn't that phenomenal? I think I really appreciate Amy's song because, you know, for me, Moses has always kind of been a patron saint of mine. He has because I really identify with his story. Lord, there's got to be someone else, someone else more qualified, someone else more dignified, someone else more sanctified. Lord, why? Why would you choose me? As a matter of fact, I so identify with Moses that I picked up this little Moses figurine on one of my trips to the Holy Land, got it right by the place where Moses parted the Red Sea. It's that meaningful to me. Well, actually, that's not quite true. I got this at a dollar store in Saginaw. But it still has meaning, and the story still rings true for me, right? Because whether it's Levi, whether it's Moses, whether it's my story or whether it's yours, Jesus came to let us know that hope includes the excluded. Hope includes the excluded. You know, isn't it interesting that in the same way that Levi didn't quite fit in with the Jews? or the Romans, that Moses, too, had a period in his life where he couldn't quite fit in with the Hebrews or the Egyptians. That time when he couldn't measure up. He didn't fit in. And when you feel like you don't quite fit in anywhere, it seems like you've been rejected anywhere. It's really easy to go to some dark places, right? You know, I think about this lockdown season when isolation can feel a lot like exclusion, then it can really bring us to a point of despair. That's why we need to know. That's why truth needs to get to our hearts. The truth of Jesus and his hope, that hope includes the excluded, including you. That's why we need to hear these hopeful words of Jesus. That he didn't come to call the so-called righteous. You no, know, Jesus came and died and rose again. For sinful people like you and me, the rebellious, the rejected, the rotten, who in our desperation we know we need a Savior, a loving, accepting Savior, who when we come to him just as we are, will receive us, not reject us. When you and I can live in the reality of this inclusion, it floods our heart with hope and it completely changes our outlook on life completely changes it, especially in how we view ourselves and how we view other people. See, I am convinced that all of us define our core identity by some kind of inclusion or exclusion, that how we think about ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we live is defined by some kind of inclusion or exclusion, some kind of acceptance or rejection. And maybe it's something that happened in our past, or maybe it's something we're chasing after in the future. So some of us, you know, we live in despair because we've defined ourselves by some past exclusion. Where we heard the message that we weren't good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, charming enough, talented enough, athletic enough, rich enough, or maybe even moral enough. That however the lines were being drawn about who's in and who's out, right, it was clear that we didn't belong, we've never quite gotten over it. And when that is your story, when that shapes your core identity, it leads to a place of despair. Or maybe we don't live in despair, but rather we live in defiance. Defiance that in response to some past rejection, We've made it our life mission to prove everyone else wrong and to show the world that we really are somebody. Now, don't get me wrong. Hatred and revenge, those can be pretty powerful motivators, but they're not fulfilling ones. They're not. And when you're fueled by hatred like that, your accomplishments are only going to leave you feeling empty in the end. Now, others of us, we do try to define our identity by being included, and that's a good thing. The problem is that we've been living for the wrong inclusion, the wrong acceptance. So some people define themselves by their social group and being part of the in crowd. Some people define themselves by their job title and sitting at the smallest table. Still, others define themselves by a relationship status. They pity others who aren't as fortunate as them. And then there are those just like the teachers of the law who define themselves by their piousness and they look down on others who live such immoral lives or associate with people like that, right? Why does, how could we associate with such people like that, right? It's what we saw in this story. That's why living for the wrong acceptance can be even more dangerous than despair. It can because at least the excluded might be open to the possibility that there's something better out there for them. And see, that's where Levi was. And that's why when Jesus looked at him and said, follow me, he responded. He left everything else behind because the call was compelling. See, Jesus came to redraw the lines. Jesus came to redefine who's in and who's out. Jesus changes everything. And that's why we need to build our core identity upon his acceptance of us. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the so-called righteous, but sinners, who are desperate enough to follow after me and to experience the capital L life I have for them, Jesus tells us. And it is this same Jesus who in John chapter 6 promises us, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Never. No, the hope of Jesus includes the excluded. That's why here at Hopeville, as we strive to be a community of grace and truth, we want to be a church of excluded people who in the goodness of God have been included by Jesus. It's also why in our mission, we are inviting as many people as possible to join us in knowing Jesus personally as their Savior and following him more fully as their Lord. A community of the excluded that God, through Jesus, has included us with him as part of his forever family. And so for some of you, today needs to be the day that you turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus, admit your need for him, and to call on him to be your savior. So stop pretending you're healthy when you're sick. Stop acting like you're righteous when you know you're not. And so just as Levi heard these words from Jesus, follow me, Jesus extends that same invitation to you, an invitation into the capital L life that he has for you. Build your core identity upon this invitation to follow Jesus and to live in the grace of his acceptance and love for you. Others of us, we might know Jesus as our Savior, but maybe you've lost sight of who you are in him. And you're in this place right now where you're letting past rejections or wrong inclusions shape who you are and define how you're living, right? You know, especially in this lockdown season, maybe you have let isolation and separation burrow into your head, into your heart. And it's caused you to lose sight of your true identity in Jesus. So here's my encouragement to you. Go back to scripture. Remind yourself of the truth. Reach out to a Christian friend. Let them speak encouragement into your heart. Or maybe listen to some worship music, like a song we sing here at Hope Who You Say I Am, to remind you how Jesus sees you. You are chosen, not forsaken. This is how Jesus sees you. And this is who He says you are. Hope includes the excluded. Something we as a church, us as followers of Jesus, must never forget. We must never forget for many reasons. You know, first of all, we we, we can't forget it because it keeps us on mission. That because Jesus redrew the lines, because he now includes us and has extended that invitation to us, he calls us to pay it forward and to extend extend that same invitation to those around us in need. To share with them the hope, right? That there is someone who loves them, who accepts them. And so we do that. We do that in what we say and in how we live. So keep us on mission, right? To be remembered, to remember, right? That hope includes the excluded. Second, it also keeps us from being judgmental, right? It keeps us from this how could he kind of attitude. You know, once you're in, there's always a temptation to look down on those who are out. And while that might be how every other group on this planet operates, that's not the church. That's not the church. That's not who we are. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, morality matters. Righteousness matters. But it starts by us humbly looking at ourselves in the mirror rather than smugly looking out at the window in judgment at others, right? So it keeps us from being judgmental. And then finally, it also keeps us grounded. It keeps us grounded and it reminds us who we are and where we came from. You know, I think of the words of the Apostle Paul and and what he shared with a group of Christians back in the first century who lost sight of who they were. And so as I begin to close, I want to just read this passage from 1 Corinthians. And as you listen to these words, I, I want you to receive them as if God were speaking them directly to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'll close with this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, he chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Now, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. No, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Now look at this. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Jesus made you right with God. He restored you into a relationship with him and brought you into his forever family. And because you are forgiven in him, because you are righteous in him, God has made you pure and holy. And you are not a slave to your past. You are not a slave to your passions. No, he has freed you from your sin. This is who you are. This is your core identity. It's who we are as a church. And because of that, therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. You know, your boast is essentially your identity. It's your hope. It's everything you look to for meaning and purpose, for acceptance and inclusion. Right, So don't look, Paul says, to things like wisdom and power. Don't look to build your life upon things like wealth and influence. Rather, look to Jesus. Let his hope define your life. Because in him, he has given you a people to belong to and a purpose to live for. Hope includes the excluded. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you can take a life, a lost and lonely life like Levi and turn it around. And while his wealth, and his power and privilege might have made him a success mm. in the eyes of some, he was sick. And he needed a doctor. Jesus, thank you that you are great physician for our souls and thank you that you can look at us no matter what we're projecting on the outside and see what we really need on the inside to forgive our sins to include us as part of your forever family and so that even if we have been marred and scarred by rejections in the past thank you that we're free and that we don't have to be defined by those things because the greatest inclusion ever is the people that we belong to as part of your church and the purpose that we get to live for as part of your kingdom. And so, God, would you speak loving truth into the hearts of everyone who have, who's hearing and watching this service today. Because, God, you are good. And may your goodness reign over our lives. May it define who we are and may it even ring truer in our hearts than whatever these circumstances of isolation and loneliness and exclusion and doubt and maybe going to some dark places in our minds that those would not shape who we are and how we're living. But the call, the call to follow Jesus, the call to live with him, to live for you. Jesus, may your life radiate in us and through us as your church to keep us from being judgmental, to keep us on mission, and to remind us of who you say we are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you, Jesus. Pray all this in your name and the goodness of our God.
0: In our present reality, we can trust in God's goodness because we've experienced God's faithfulness from generation to generation and throughout all our own lives. All of our lives, He's been faithful. and all of our lives, He has proven His goodness time and again. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today and thank you for serving and for supporting the ministries of Hope Veil vale as we seek to invite people to know and follow Jesus. If you would like to give to Hope Veil, vale, there's a few ways you can do that. You can give electronically through our website at hopeveil.org/give or through our mobile app. You can give via texting by texting the word Hope Veil vale to 77977. Or you can mail a gift or drop it off at our ministry center on Shattuck Road in Saginaw. We're so grateful that you worshiped with us today. I hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue to discover and celebrate the hope that only Jesus can give. I hope you have a great week.